On this episode of Resi Week, we talk about Crestron's new $500 lighting tax. Control 4 gets into the speaker game with their acquisition of Triad, and Den and Morantz are now owned by the same company that owns Polk, Boston Acoustics, and DevTech. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Resi Week episode 57, Crestron's Snowman. This week's episode of Resi Week is brought to you by Access Networks and Buy-In. This is Resi Week. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dan Fulmer. He is the president of Full Tech Solutions. Dan, how are you? Great. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks for being here. Then we have Dennis Holzer, the executive director of Powerhouse Alliance. How are you, sir? I'm doing terrific. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And last but not least, we have the one and only Jason Knott, the editor of CE Pro. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, gentlemen. All right, let's kick this off with the story that made the rounds, uh, I believe it was late Friday on social media. Uh, Crestron imposed a $500 tax <laughs> on third-party lighting into integration. This comes to us from CE Pro and Julie Jacobson. Uh, looking over this, I'm not sure if you've seen it, you've probably been under a rock if you have not. Uh, but what dealers are calling a Lutron tax, Crestron is charging a $500 integration fee for any product that uses their Series 3 processor and integrates with something like a Lutron or Vantage lighting control system. Why this is a bit of a big deal is because it's an integration firm, uh, or, or sorry, an integration product that is charging you to, well, integrate things. So gentlemen, let, let's start with you, Jason, because obviously this comes from your, your publication. Why were dealers up in arms over this? Well, I think the, the best way I can equate this to is uh, think about the airline luggage fee. You know, that um, none of, we all despise having the airline luggage fee, but I could kind of see both sides of the story where the airlines had decided, well, we either we're gonna stop carrying baggage or we're gonna charge you for it, uh, or we're gonna leave it as a status quo as to which they was not satisfactory for them. So it's a very complicated story. I could see both sides of, of the issue here. Um, I, I don't know if anybody's real happy about it um, on either side of it. I'm sure Crestron doesn't want to do this, but you know, if you read the story and they talked about their advanced technology services group that goes in the field and and um, and assist integrators. I'm I'm very curious to hear what Dan has to say about that, as he, if he's ever used that service. Um, that that was a cost to them, and they were charging it to integrators for free. And just like that airline baggage guy, they needed a, a, some way to pay for it. So, Dan, is that a simplification of the problem here? Is is it strictly a an aftermarket service issue? Because I. I know in my experience, I've been told that because they don't make a driver specific for 
these other lighting systems that they don't support them at all. Well, I guess a couple things here. I've been doing Crestron and other systems for many, many years. And, you know, in the old school days, we used to have to write our own modules. So we'd have to figure out the, you know, protocols from the manufacturer of X product, figure out from Crestron how to program that, and then mix it all together and make a module for it. And then, of course, we would have to troubleshoot and manage that going forward ourselves. Uh, over time, more manufacturers created modules for Crestron to use, stuff like that. But again, I think the, the overlap here is what Jason alluded to, where, you know, there may be a module written, but an integrator doesn't have enough history or background or knowledge of it and doesn't implement it properly. And then Crestron has to send somebody out into the field and fix these problems. So I can... I can see from from that standpoint how Crestron uh, kind of uh, you know sees fit to push this forward. We have used their service in the past, very rarely. Uh, we try and test and try all the products that we sell and put into our homes beforehand, so we know if there's problems before the fact. Um, you know, as a longtime Crestron dealer who's integrated with third-party lights and now sells Crestron lighting, um, just Noting the price of an average Crestron system, the $500 seems menial and, you know, hardly worth a lot of the hoopla that's going on here. Though I do totally understand where, where dealers are, are a little upset about it, but at the same, thing, uh, same time in the scheme of things, you know, a small Crestron system is ten grand. you are throwing lighting control, you're looking at five to $30,000 for a lighting control system on average. The $500 seems to me pretty menial in the scheme of things. Is it though the, the the cost associated with it, or Dennis, is this more the the principle that, you know, arguably yes, they're doing it because they're trying to offset service costs, but how much of this could also be attributed to, hey, we prefer you use our system. Yes, it makes it easier, but it also means that we own more of the system. So I'm going to say, and again, I understand certainly what Jason said. Um, and I certainly understand what Dan said, but you know, as Dan alluded to, the cost of these systems, hide the money. If it's that important to you, put it into the price. Don't let everybody know, and because what you've done is you've made a big issue out of it, number one. Number two, I'm a firm believer, if you wanna sell your product, make it work and sell your product. Make the installers want your product and make them buy it based on the merits of the product. But any time, whether it's a suitcase fee, baggage fee, whatever you want to call them, um, they're alarming and they send up a smoke signal. And, and I think what's, what they did here is they sent up a smoke signal. It's no question it's good product. And, you know, how much do we all do every day and every installer every day that wasn't maybe when we started in the job, something popped up and, and we just end up doing it and we don't charge more for it whether Jason's covering a story or doing what he does, I'm sure every day he does things that, you know, pop up on him as does everybody else. I know I cause a lot of problems for vendors and vendors cause a lot of problems for me, but I, I don't call the vendor and say, you know what, you took an extra hour today, I, 500 bucks. I want you to send it. So you know, Crestron has earned their, their, their name. They make great product. So do it based on the merits of the product. Don't, don't send up this smoke signal. So, gentlemen, it, it, are we essentially thinking that this is more a PR issue than an actual application issue? 
where they just did a terrible job of communicating what the fee was and, and what it entailed and, and why they were doing it. I mean, that was Julie's, Julie did a follow-up piece, if you saw, that was kind mm -hmm. of exactly that, Matt. She said, the way that this was announced and implemented uh, was terrible. She goes, but I get the sense of why they're doing it and what they're trying to do, but uh, how it was brought out to Dennis's point um, was probably not the best, um, you know, they allowed social media to run with it, so to speak. So where are they- the course these days. Yeah. <laughs> So where do they go from here? Where do dealers go from here who have either felt stung or at the very least just annoyed with the way that this was rolled out? As far as I'm concerned, if I were Lutron, um, I, I'd play into this and help me sell a lot more Lutron product <laughs> and, and help me sell against Crestron. You know, again, I think we're all saying the same thing. Um, the way this was done, um, it, it, it just looks bad for Crestron. And the $500 amount, if it's such a sophisticated issue and there's a lot of work involved, where does the $500 come from? You know, why that number? Um, any number would have been bad on social or anything, but I, I just think they've created a, a snowball that started out as a little snowball. Now you have a snowman and... I, I just think for PR's sake, at some point, they, they better figure out how to include it in the cost of their product. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on from that topic to an article that comes to us from Residential Systems. Uh, last week, Control 4 continued their acquisitions and acquired Triad speakers, adding uh, the high-end premium audio line to their growing portfolio of solutions. Uh, obviously, this is this is their first acquisition of uh, a speaker brand um, for the Control Company. <laughs> Dan, what does this mean for Control Four? Well, I think it's just it broadens their offerings. <clears throat> you know, um, speakers to me. You know, a lot of companies now are starting to do this and offer speakers, and I think it's kind of alludes back to the Crestron with the, the and the Lutron and the lighting aspect of things. And, you know, more and more of these companies want to be everything in your home instead of just the particular piece that they may have started out with or the pieces that they started out with. So I think, um, you know, this acquisition for them just represents a way for them to broaden what they're offering in each home. Dennis, is it something where we should be expecting pretty much every manufacturer uh, or sorry control manufacturer to be going after this this whole experience and being able to provide you know in, in for example control force case not only the control but some of the components some of the uh you know balance systems some of the or, or all of the networking all of the audio um is this where people are going to this complete package deal I, I think that's part of it, but I think the name Core Products, I think the name Legrand, um, I think that we're in a funny time in our industry right now where there are some companies that are struggling. And I think there are people out there who have the capabilities, as I mentioned, Core, Legrand, Control 4. Um, yeah, it is about getting it as a total experience, but it's also about um, bigger companies finding these other companies and adding them to their mix, whether it's in exactly in their portfolio or to the left or to the right. 
And I think that's a good example here. You know, I know I've read a lot of things where speakers, where people are saying, why would control food go to speakers? Well, you know, why, why did Legrand buy racks? Um, why did Core go out and buy some of the companies they've bought? I, I just think they're, they're management decisions. And I think right now the bigger companies um, over the next year or two are going to get a lot bigger because they're going to take advantage of some fish out there that are either at the end of their road or just don't have the finances to stay in and get bigger. Very good. Jason, I want to I wanna spin this just a little bit. Because Control4 is one of the few publicly traded companies, and we know that one of the easiest ways to maybe solidify your, your, your stock price is through acquisition. It's easier to throw to show profitability by acquiring a company that is profitable and adding that to your bottom line. How much of, and again, obviously you're not inside the room, uh, when these decisions are being made, but how much of this type of um, decision is made because of that feature? I mean, clearly it's a math game. And, you know, the control four guys are very, very smart. You know, they're they're ahead of the market. They know what, uh, if, if you saw the, the interview that I did with, with Martin Plain, he did the pure analysis. You know, Triad has 550 dealers. Uh, control four has 3,900 dealers because we will double or triple the number of dealers who are carrying triad speakers. Now, will some of the guys who are carrying triad uh, and that are not control four dealers dump control four and decide to go to another speaker line? Cause there's a lot of high performance speaker lines out there. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's going to happen, but uh, they're doing the math and they realize they're going to bring more control for dealers to this product line than they would possibly lose. So it is to, to simplify your question even more. It is a math game and uh, they've obviously done the math and realize it's going to end up in a net gain for them. Now, is there any, um, is there any decision to do this hoping for the reverse of that, i.e. having more triad dealers become control for dealers? Absolutely. And he actually said that, you know, we will see some of the triad dealers become control four dealers. And I'm sure that worked into their calculations. But um, I think the, the, the bigger part of it was what I expressed before, which was getting a lot of those control four integrators to, to add on and start carrying triad. Very good. And as we know, that'll help the bottom line across the board. On to another acquisition, because this seems to be the month of it. Uh, Strategy and Ted Green bring us an article on DNM, the parent company of Denon and Morantz, was sold from one uh, private equity company to another this, this week. And Sound United has purchased the DNM group, adding it to their uh, group of holdings, which most importantly, maybe includes uh, Polk Audio and Canada Goose, which makes me happy. Um, cause they make great coats. <laughs> little, little Canada plug there. Got to get one in. Uh, Dan, what does this do for Denon Morantz going forward? Uh, being part of this larger company now that obviously has Polk Heos, uh, definitive in Boston. Well, not being a big, big business guy and being a small business guy, I'd say, you know, from my perspective, this just, 
again, kind of broadens their horizon and brings brings some product lines into uh, into line with some other lines that they can hopefully uh, be able to market better and to more people. So again, I think you know speakers are typically a good profit margin engine for manufacturers. So I think with you know more of these under the belt, it's just you know more products for them to sell and a, and a bigger umbrella to be under. Very good, Dennis. Now that uh, Damrance are you know one and one with Polk and, and Boston and Definitive, can we expect to see hopefully? Because um, the first thing I saw when I when I saw this article was the possibility of more Heos enabled products coming from Polk and uh, Definitive in Boston, because as much as Heos has tried to make inroads against Sonos. In the you know in our world the the custom integrator it has, but in the consumer world it has not. What potential does this actually bring for that type of innovation to to keep coming down the pipe? I think significant. I, th I think that um, obviously Sonos is the you know it's ironic we're mentioning Sonos and Crestron in the same conversation, but I think there's a lot of similarities. Um, but I think Sonos for the first time is, you know, they've had this space by themselves for a long period of time. Now they're being a shot at from many different categories, from many different vendors. And I think that um, some of these speaker manufacturers who we all know have been trying to get into this space have gotten into it and have taken a little bit of share, certainly nowhere near what the 100 pound elephant has in the room. But um, I, I think it just opens up that, uh, you're right, you're going to see a lot more HEOS products out there. Um, you're going to see Polk offering more. I, I mean, Boston is really, you know, they're not, certainly not the power today that they were several years ago. So I, I think it gives Sound United a lot of opportunity to go in a lot of different directions. Um, and it also, with now being in the electronics field, um, I think very similar to all of them, it, it really, you're going to see a lot more probably Denon and Morantz dealers, and you're probably going to see a lot more Polk Definitive Audio and Boston dealers. So I think as Jason said, you know, it really, it's the bottom line. And, and I think they were able to purchase a company that there's significant upside to. Um, and I, I think you ought to start, uh, you know, I, I hesitate and I say this to my friends often that, uh, you know, there was a company out there not long ago called Sharp that had an LCD TV probably three or four or five years before anybody and were 100% of the market and then all of a sudden, now they're gone. Um, we see similarities in Sonos, not inferring they're gonna be gone, but you know they've had 100% of the market. Now all of a sudden, there's a lot of players in this field and I think you're gonna see a lot of these guys which have big capabilities start to capitalize on it. I think it's funny that you mentioned, uh, you mentioned one thing that I, I find uh, hilarious these days is that the big elephant is Sonos, which is the small disruptor. And then Boston, <laughs> Morant, and Polk are now all trying to catch up. So it's a, an odd dichotomy we have these days. <laughs> but isn't that the way it, sometimes. isn't that the way it always plays out, though? You get the Seems big – like we were talking about this last week with Honeywell. For the years, right. they, they were the big player in the game, and then I control – and uh, alarm.com come up being small and then just within a matter of you know years taking years. mass market share away from the giants jason when people are or, or sorry when companies are looking at these acquisitions is it strictly because we, we've really talked mostly about the numbers of it 
of adding, you know, these high margin, high profitability companies into the fold. Is that really what this is about? Or is it, you know, a 50-50 gamut between, you know, the profitability options as well as the technology integration possibilities? Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of it, just alluding to what, what Dennis said, I'll be very interested to see if uh, where Polk and DevTech end up standing with PlayFi versus uh, Heos down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, we immediately got a tweet back from them said, oh, right at this point, there's no, no changes uh, planned. Um, but that doesn't mean that something's not going to come down the road, especially if they own that technology. And, the, you know, the last uh, brand awareness studies that we did was the first time that we started to see somebody um, really take, uh, eat into Sonos's market share, and that was Heos. So, um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not the guy in the room to know exactly what patents they might own and, and technologies there, but I think clearly there's some level of a um, acquisition. This acquisition has to do with technology. This has to do with channel. I mean, Polk has really become a very widespread uh, brand, uh, you know, con consumer-oriented brand. Um, Whereas I think DevTech has stayed really uh, much more uh, on the channel. Dennis could correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, so um, I think there's a channel play too, you know, in addition to the math and the technology and all that kind of stuff. So here, here's just one quick question, because you mentioned your, uh, your, your survey. Was there any notice of PlayFi? Uh, we didn't ask that technology. We asked the brands. So okay. I'd have to go back to the brands that are being that are listed in the brand awareness and actually link them gotcha. to what their wireless technology is. So I can't answer that question. Okay. So Dennis or, or, or Dan, either one of you, um, are you seeing, because this is something that we ask, my company asks our clients is they ask us for Sonos. We occasionally offer Heos as something that will work given some of their deployment, some of the system design, it makes more sense. But no one knows what PlayFi is. None of our clients, yeah. Is that something you're seeing as well? Dan? Half the time, we don't tell our clients on purpose what the actual technologies behind what we're selling them are because it just confuses and muddies the water. So. Um, typically, I try to keep that out of the conversation. If they ask or inquire about it, then we'll tell them, hey, we know what we're talking about, et cetera, et cetera. This does this, this does this, this does this. And, and try to also be somewhat agnostic, um, you know, because we want to be technology advisors to our clients, not just, hey, we sell this, so don't buy that. So, right. Um, right. But, but honestly, even with Sonos, I think maybe one or two people have even asked how it works. So yeah. generally, most yeah. people just want the functionality and the features of the, of the product that you're selling them. They don't really care how it works. And, and back to our new salespeople, we're trying to talk them away from that. Hey, don't talk about the technology so much as the lifestyle and the benefits and the, you know, things like that. So, um, and, and, but I agree, no one's heard of that. Um, very few people have heard of EOS. So, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of goes along with that. And again, I think uh, with most clients, they just hear about something new, Nest, Sonos, whatever, and they go, oh, that's the cool thing, I want it, and then it's our job to either tell them, hey, here's some other alternatives and options, and here's how they work, or, yeah, that's great, here, let's go for it. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap up there. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Dan, where can people connect with you? We are at fulltechsolutions.com, that's F-U-L-T-E-C-H with one L, 
and uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida, and happy and willing to answer any questions anyone might have. Very nice. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Dennis, thanks so much for joining us again. Where can people connect with you? They can either connect with me through one of my 12 members or certainly www.powerhousealliance.com. 39 locations around the country. So uh, many places to get a hold of me and or my members. And thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Jason, thanks again for being here, my friend. Where can people connect with you? You can follow me on Twitter at Jason W. Not or you can go to the website, cepro.com. Very good. For myself, if you'd like to follow me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please take a moment and stop by avnation.tv. You'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows that cover all the other verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. They support us and we are extremely thankful for that and ask that you support them as well. Thanks for watching this episode of Resi Week.